Welcome to Sudbury Stories. Sudbury is full of amazing individuals that are doing some incredible things and making this city a better place. It's my goal to get the word out about good news stories local to Sudbury and highlight those individuals that are having an impact in making Sudbury a better place. Correct response. What is my hometown, Sudbury, Ontario? Connor is one of those individuals and I'm super pumped to have him today. Uh, Connor the Rock is one of the top experts in Canada for millennial leadership. He's the CEO of Social Rise Incorporated, a national media company. He has twice published best-selling author having wrote the book Mindset is Everything and hosts a television show on Eastlink, TV called Life on the Rocks. He empowers young adults and entrepreneurs to build profitable brands online, become leaders, and distinguish themselves in a crowded marketplace. He's building the next generation of entrepreneurs and leaders, teaching them how to monetize their brand and generate leads without using any ad spend. Perfect. I'm super pumped to have you here today, Connor. And, uh, third episode of, uh, of Sudbury Stories, and definitely you're one person that I've been following for a long time and, you know, kind of seeing what you're up to, and you've been a role model from, from what I'm trying to do on a digital scale, so. Oh, thank you, man. It's a pl- honestly, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, fantastic. Well, let's get started into it. Like, Absolutely. So, 26 years old, that's... 26, yeah. 26 years old, and look how many you've already accomplished. Look at that lucky number. <laughs> <laughs> you've, uh, you've, you've done a ton for yourself already, so what, how many years have you been at it right now? Like, would you be considered that you've been focused on... Building your brands. Building my brand, personal development, probably we're talking starting almost about six years, like actually active in business three, like an act, as an actual business three, but like actively building my brand, we're talking about six years. So six years. So six years ago, you're sitting around, you're 20 years old, you're done college, university, or like what did you No, still, still in university. Still, yeah. still in university, and then you were kind of looking at going into a few different uh, pathways after that. Right? You were thinking about a lawyer and you were thinking about different options? Yeah, so I was going to be a lawyer and then uh, it was one of those things. I, I kept reading guys like Tony Robbins, you've seen the Gary Vee stuff, Grant Cardone, those type of people. And I, I wanted to be one of them. Napoleon Hill really struck my heart, like thinking Grow Rich. And uh, I was reading all these books and I'm like, why don't I just write one? And it was one of those things in my second year university when I was finally dialed in and focused that I decided that, you know, I was going to write my first book. I had that published. It went really well. We sold tons of, like a couple hundred copies, like which yeah. is not bad for Sudbury. And um, what did you sell? Mostly on Amazon or like where you sell? Just local. I just bought them and just sold them. I for my first batch of hundred, I got rid of them in literally a day or two. And then a day or two, I'm not even lying. Like I was just driving everywhere. I put my suit on. I was just driving everywhere. I seen the order of the shipment on my on my doorstep, and I, I literally put a suit on, and it was cold out, and I was going around just delivering books for fifty bucks pop, no tax. And if I think back, so two thousand, so eight years ago ish, or sorry, six years ago ish, right? So we're talking like we're in two thousand, uh, what two thousand twelve, something like that. So yeah. So it's still pretty early. like the internet's there, like things are there, but we're not quite at the level they are today, right? So. Right. Yeah. I'm trying to think like it was one of those things. So so I've been probably active in the personal development space for about six years, but like really hardcore. It was my second year of university is when it started. I started driving people nuts. Where I became the uh, I became a passionate promoter, uh, broken record, some might call it. That's when it all started. Yeah. yeah. Was there a class that you were in? We're like, man, I can't stand this. Or was there like a tipping point for you? Yeah, I'm trying to think of the exact tipping point. I went to I went to Cuba. So after my first year of university, went to Cuba with three of my buddies. We met this rap group called Lemony Fresh. And these guys were open up for like uh, Tech Nine match out, so they were doing it. They seemed like these, I don't know. They inspired me, so I came back and I remember laying there on the chair um, in Cuba, saying, "I'm going to write a book." It had always been, I'd always been a writer of some sort, and it came to me. Yeah. And uh, my buddies laughed, like, "Oh, yeah, sure, you are, Connor." And I'm like, "Okay." And I came back home, and I literally within you know two weeks, I started writing on tons of pages, and then just worked it from there. Yeah. And not saying it's good. I just you know we did. I just put it put pen to paper kind of thing. That's the biggest challenge sometimes, just getting started, right? Right. For even myself, like the podcast was an idea for so long, and eventually I'm just like, like forget about it. Like, let's order the stuff, let's get the equipment, and, and get started. 
start. We're here. Yeah. You gotta start somewhere, right? Yeah. So so fantastic. So we so basically you could put point back to owning a lot of Jay Success to Lemony Fresh. Lemony Fresh, hundred percent. Like it was always in, and it's funny because I originally wanted to be a rapper in some in some light. I was always inspired by that that culture. I don't know why. I, like the big chains, the the jewelry, the grills in their mouth, and uh, it was funny that I meet them. They sparked that that kind of passion for for writing and wanted to be something. Yeah. And then I came back and wrote the book. Got a got a publishing company. Um, and so how was that? Like, what's the process like to get a publishing company at that point in your life? Like you're twenty years old. Twenty. So that is self publishing. So that was a self published book. So it wasn't too bad. Like I approached a Canadian company, um, and it, it was one of those things where you have to obviously pay to play. Like yeah. if you want to get in, they'll do all your work, the graphic design pieces of it, and uh, they'll put you into some distribution channels, like obviously through Google, Amazon, that kind of stuff. So it wasn't too bad. It was just a long process. It took me about a year. The second book I literally pumped out in four months. Really. I had I literally wrote that book, the full thing, hundred fifty pages, four months, and then. Anyone that's a writer knows editing is the worst thing. And that's why I always tell people I'm an author. I'm not an editor because I'm not good at it. So if I could go back and, and what I would fix is the editing process and really work on that and fine-tune my writing with a bad... I just didn't have the capital at the time to invest into it to get a good editor to, to yeah. get the... So you have errors and things and it sucks to look at it. But at the end of the day, um, it, I put it to paper and I wanted to get it done to, to try to help people. It's interesting to kind of see the approach because you started all like... Traditional. You started like the most traditional thing you could think of, like uh, like a paperback book, basically. I know. Right? And now you're like the digital online. Man. Yeah, yeah. So like, like a lot of people like would say, "Oh, did you start like blogging, or did you start right. like, some uh, online presence?" But you started, you know, going back to the roots and whatever came natural to you, right? So exactly. I was looking at my idols, and I'm like, I want to have one of these. I want to have a book. I got something to say, and and that that was what it was. And it's like, but and the question we'll get into later is like, you know, young kid, why are they? You're gonna preach motivation, and it's like I'm not teaching, you know, biochemistry here. I'm talking about just getting motivated telling my story and focusing in that that's what the book's kind of geared towards and I think if you kind of you know you hit the nail on the head where you're like sometimes you just got to do it yeah and by you just doing it now you prove that you were motivated it's almost like did, what came first the chicken or the egg like well did your writing career come first or did like, your actual, right. like motivation or whatever right it's true so you were motivated yourself to be that author and then that second time author and then go out and sell these books and kind of make a name for yourself and you know, percent. <laughs> yeah. You hit one. You hit on one thing there too that I kind of wanted to bring back to. But you said I knew I know myself and I knew that I wasn't the editor. I was the writer. So like, and I know how important it is to know yourself. So what is what is who is yourself? What is your strongest point that you have out there? What do you have to offer this world right now? So biggest thing, I'm a communicator. I'm probably like I think right now we lack communication. A lot of us, you know, we want to sit behind our phones and our technology. And the biggest skill ever. I've been really good at building relationships and always finding points. Human behavior. That's probably one of my top skills is just being able to read people. Not not like the generic, or oh, I can read people, but more so just being able to figure problems out and see where you're struggling at and break it down to a point where it's maybe not so difficult. So that's what you see with a lot of people. We put these barriers up in our mind. And, and part of my thing that I teach a lot of the time goes on about how to break through those barriers. And it, it's just fundamental. Don't go at a problem all at once. Like you see the hole, you see the mountain, but it's like you got to take the first step and then walking down that cycle in your life. And that, that's what makes things so much easier. Like I know if I'm going to write a book, damn, that's going to take a while. We've got to go through editing, but like just start, just start telling the story. Get the flow moving, get, get some momentum. And then it builds into that mountain, right? So what's that process like to get to know somebody, though? Like, is it that you can click right off the bat and you know them? Or is it something that you just get to know them over coffee and it's just, like, a, a longer-term thing that you're building a relationship with somebody? You can feel it right away. Like, I think, honestly, if, if you get to that deeper level of awareness, you can feel it right when I meet people. Like, sometimes, you know, some people might have an edge when you first meet them. But as you start working into them, you start laughing, getting to see their vibes. How are they moving? How do they react to you saying things? Are they straight up? Everybody's got a mask at the end of the day. It's like Carl Jung said. So Carl Jung, the, the, the psychologist, everybody's got that shadow. And then so you look for that in people to see like, 
for instance, if we're at a table and then someone's really rude to the waiter, all of a sudden they're really nice to you, but they're rude to waiter. It's like, okay, so they have a crack in that mask. You see that shadow coming out. So you look for the good in people. I always try to give people the benefit of the doubt. And most of the time it's good, but then you watch for those cracks and those people I don't want to be around if they have, you know, they're, it's Machiavellian where you're kind of backstabbing. You see that a lot in today's society. And it's sad to say that, that you want to give people the benefit of the doubt. But a lot of it is our culture is designed on critiquing people and ripping them down opposed to motivating and inspiring them. We get jealous because we, we see things online, and I'm, I'm guilty of this too. You see some young kid and he's driving, you know, this nice car or, or they're flying out somewhere and it, it should be the opposite where we should be grateful. Well, good for them, you know, but we all look the other way. So when meeting people, just focus on, I try to focus on the good and looking for a way that I can help or maybe connect them to someone else. That's my process kind of thing. One of the things that you, you kind of mentioned there too is... Um, Surrounding yourself by people, right? Surrounding yourself by people that you kind of look up to and you're influenced by. And and I know, so so Connor works with Tristan. He's a good friend. That's how I like Tristan from our team. And that's one of the ways that I, that I was first introduced to him. And I, I kind of got to know him a little bit. And uh, I was so impressed that they, they took the opportunity to go down to a big a mastermind event. But So where do you look for? Do you, or do you see a, on a local level, do you have kind of role models? Or are you, like where are you finding your role models and people that are, you can kind of learn from? So a lot of the time, uh, so the online sphere and then and locally, like someone here that uh, you probably no one would no one would notice or, or know that I kind of look up to. So I look at like someone like Perry Delise, like uh, someone that's not uh, in the city that like obviously has a huge name but doesn't actively promote. Like everyone sees Zulich and stuff like that, but Perry is someone I'm like. I'm looking at this guy from Sudbury and I'm like, how did he do it? He builds this huge commercial law firm, goes out donating millions of dollars. So people like that, I just some I look for peak performers, and it's the ones like it doesn't have to be the biggest company they own. Um, I, I basically I'll just start I'll start kind of investing into them. So someone like even look at like a Ben Shapiro. A lot of people don't like him online. I'm not saying I agree with it, but I like his style, like how he presents as a lawyer and he's able to break down arguments. Not saying I agree with them, but but stuff like that. I'll do my research. I'll start doing the backstory. I'll start seeing where they got started. Things like that, um, and then just the vibe you get from them. I'm I'm a big believer in intuition and feeling. Like if I feel something, come back from my from my martial arts background where you can feel. You know, you feel different things and you have to react and move. And that's that's how I live my life a lot. I'll do my due diligence. No one knows this. So look, before I get into business with a lot of people or if I'm going to, let's say if I was going to go on a relationship, I run them on the dark triad test. It's a psychological test that gives you screens for their triggers. So Machiavellianism, narcissism, or psychopathy. I learned it from Ty Lopez. And uh, so I'll run that test on people. So when I used to be in the game as a joke, you know, if I was in, you know, dating and I have a girlfriend now, obviously I love for three years. But before we'd read, I'd be like, here, take this test. If you want to get into business with someone that you're unsure about, take this test. It's like it's a great personality test. Show me your score. And then it gives you their triggers and things like that. So that's another way to, so to reassure your intuition and judgment and stuff like that. I think there's a, like kind of a push that I'm seeing, at least the, like in the real estate sector, where people are trying to know who they are better, like with a better job. So whether it's a disc profile or whether it's something like this. And then they, they can see how they can better interact with people, especially if they're working in, in inter-office relationships or even like a, as a, like an employee um, employer or like with a sales call. Like working with a, another a company or whatever, you can see how you're going to best interact with that person. So it's interesting to see that that's actually a, a relationship that you, you'd hand over the test on a date or something yeah. like that. Oh, yeah. Year. And in a fun way, too. You do it in a fun way. Not manipulative. But you're like, hey, take this test. Look at my score. And then they send it back. You know, it's fun. And then yeah. you know right off the bat how it's going to go. Yeah. Well, it's uh, one of the things that, like... It's, it's kind of that salesy line, I think, but it's like, I, I love it. It's just that you've got that, uh, the PhD of rejection, right? And it's just, it, it comes off well because like you were saying at the start, you were thinking about this, maybe this law firm, this law career, maybe an MBA or something like that. And then you hit that tipping point where you decided that's not for you and you just decided to follow your passion. So tell me a little bit more about like, like why you think that you've got a PhD in rejection. 
So honestly, like uh, I remember, so right out of university, like you know, yeah, you're coming off this hot win where I just, I just got on a roll. I got rejected from that university, so then I got on a roll. Uh, I published the two books. I was with a public, the same publicist that Madonna worked with. Okay, the, it, which that campaign failed, which we'll get into another thing. But I came out of that. We go into a door-to-door company. You go from graduating university wanting to be a prestigious lawyer to then all of a sudden you start a door-to-door company. That arguably the worst thing you can do. And we sunk it. Like me and my brother right into the ground. We're selling in minus forty. Like that's the story. Um, so the reason and I say it, and that's not not just like selling a territory. Right? Yeah, Northern Ontario, Sudbury. Yeah, we're selling eighty <laughs> teal arms. Yeah, and it, it, it was hard. So the reason I, I say I earned that is just my whole entire life. I've always felt that people. And everyone wishes the best for you. They try to guide you down the certain path, but everybody told me that I had to be a lawyer to succeed. Like I had to go, go get a master's degree in LLB. And I always had a belief that I didn't have to. I wanted to help people in some type of realm. And it was always that constant rejection. So again, I didn't. I got rejected. I tried to pitch like something like Penguin Publishing at one point. Just rejection. Rejected from 12, or TEDx 12 times. Um, I'm trying to think. Even when I was growing up, I was an overweight kid. I just felt like I wasn't equal to other people. I felt like I wasn't as smart. I just felt like I was. I was at some type of a disadvantage. Got the crap kicked out of me for the first 16 years of my life, and uh, it was one of those things where I just never gave up on that. I just I felt like okay, with that rejection, it, it built this this strong armor I have on me now that it's like. Rejection is just, when I hear it's a no, it's like it's a maybe. I'm going to transition. If it's a no, I'm going to someone else. It's like someone else is going to want this. And it's one of those things that just after taking so many shots to the head, literally, and literally and not literally, like taking so many bullets that I feel like uh, like I earned my stripes on that where I feel like even though I'm 26, which is young, I've taken a lot of bullets at a young age to, to be able to get out here. Like I said, we sunk that first company into the ground and built an actual strong business now with an office, you know. It's hard. I remember, like, like whenever I've been asked about, you know, what's like, what have you learned through failure, and I like, I, I kind of like circle back to you. You learn more through failure than anything. Else. Everything, yeah. Because you know, if you just feel like you're in your comfort zone the your entire life or whatever, you're not going to grow. You're not going to be forced to, right? So, so your first company failed. What was the biggest point you took out of that? Don't go into business with my brother. <laughs> I just can't. He's listening to that song, but, but yeah, don't. Uh, so we went. In, it just. Be prepared. You have to be prepared, like have an infrastructure late that we didn't really, I was negligent, didn't really, like I understood business and sales. Like I was really, I'm a really good salesperson uh, because I don't sell, I help people. I'm just kidding. We don't sell, it's help. No, but uh, I, I, I'm trying to think like looking at it, it's just we had, we had these big dreams. We had no infrastructure in place. Like, so we wanted to build this company. We had it all laid out where it's like, we'd have all these agents selling on different campaigns and things. And we just didn't have the capacity or bandwidth or marketing at the time to really execute on that. And especially in the cold in Sudbury and then just getting people to buy in, the payments were off. It's just, so if I can think of one lesson in that, it's just be more, you know, kind of look at all elements that, you know, you're going into business and freezing cold in Sudbury and then it's door to door. So it's difficult and you have to train people and it just, it, 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 you got to be. You learned that you didn't want to do door to door. I don't want to do door to door and have something like if you're going to go into business, like where your first three months, you'll have something covered while you'll be making some money. Like have something so you have an infrastructure, whether it's clients or something in place. Um, so that you're you're backed up because when you make that leap of faith to become an entrepreneur, that that helps big time. And I sorry, it took me a while to get that out. No, no worries. It's like you've got some interesting points to hit on there. And I think like me personally, um, I ran a few businesses before I was in real estate myself, and like the, the difference, like the last one was a painting business, and whether like we could see it was a success or a failure, like. I'm not a painter. I know for a fact I'm not a strong painter and I'm training people to be out there painting and I'm doing my best and they're doing their best but at the end of the day it's not stuff we're amazing at, right? And now that I'm in a business that like when you love the product that you're selling it's such an easy thing. Right. So like you you obviously love what you're selling. You're, you're selling that motivation, right? But yeah. Like, so 
when a lot of what you're doing is dealing with business to business though too, right? So how do you have that? Like how do you pre? Like how do you get the business to buy into what your your passions are? Like when you're selling to another business. Well, the biggest I, I think it's the general theme that like it's like we're we're here to deliver. At the end of the day, like I'm not. I, I think a lot of marketers and just marketing in general is smoke and mirrors. Um, and then for myself, anybody that knows me, they know I work like a dog. They know I'm out there. I'm going to deliver on something and I'm going all in. Like, that's the thing. I'm not the type of guy that's going to go half in, put my foot in the water. It's like, if I'm going, I'm doing a big backflip and we're running in. So when I get people to buy in or kind of like, let's say businesses to buy in, I, I have a really good product that we offer. Like in terms of the service, I walk them down. I tell, I'm very transparent in business. Like I'm very transparent. It's like at the end of the day, this is what I can guarantee. I'm very, it's like kind of not, not black and white, but it's like, this is what we can do. This is what we see wrong. And this is what we can solve, and I keep it very transparent like that. Um, so at the end, at the end of the day, it's like when I when I'm pitching against people, it's like a passion thing where it's like I know I have a better, who's got the better offer, right? So then I'm going in, I'm like, okay, I've see, I've already studied all the competition, I see, and I'm I'm trying to stay up to date, keep an eye on that, but I'm focused on what we do and what we do good, and, and it helps me kind of stay ahead of the heap. So when I go into businesses, I know I'm at an advantage because. I'm not just a marketer. I come from a sales background. I know how to deal with people. I know what they want. I know as a business, at the end of the day, if I can go offer you money, you'd be ridiculous not to take it, right? Yeah. 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 It's interesting when you bring up that point because especially being like we're in a business with right. on our real estate arm and like, of course, like the, the, the first step and we didn't do it right away, but we've done it later on there is start with a SWOT analysis, which is the business term for strength, weakness, right. opportunities, threats. What's the marketplace like there? What's the competition doing? Where like, how are you able to position yourself? Um, that, so it's, it's definitely interesting to hear, uh, if, if like clearly you're a very passionate person and that comes through online, I, I can see that mm-hmm. you know, every morning if I'm up, I, I already see you've been to the gym or whatever. <laughs> so, so is that the authentic, you know, is that the authentic Connor? And it's like, like, like basically like, how do you keep that at a high level all the time? If that is your authentic That is me. Like literally you can call me three in the morning and I would still be that type of guy. I tell people that even my clients, I'm like, if you need to get a hold of me, like give me a call or whatever. But there is a time to unwind. Like I, like I said, I go all in on everything I do. Um, that's just one facet. I am an embody, an embodiment of that image of like the hardcore mentality, but I am very, like the thing that people might not see is I seem maybe more cutthroat online, but I'm actually a very caring person. I have a lot of emotions and things that I might not showcase because of my leadership style with it. But, uh, but no, that is, that, that is definitely me, but just one facet of me. And it's like, uh, it was funny when I got started in my career, it was like, People don't know this about me, but it seems like hard work is like my first like value, but lifestyle is. I want to have a lifestyle where I can wake up and I enjoy it. And like, yeah, I'm going to work hard, and, but I'm not looking to do the 12-hour days. I'm looking to go all in for eight or whatever it is. It depends. Whatever the job is, I'll get it done. Then we move on to the next thing, kind of. So the long-term being lifestyle is the most important. Describe what the ideal lifestyle is for you. I want to be speaking on stages across the world, um, doing consulting work, and still have my own business arm so I can funnel people through there. So uh, I was telling you before this, we got in, like my business model that I want to have is like a triangle. It's a trifecta where we can offer marketing, outbound selling, so like have people on the phone boiler room style, and lead gen. So we do that online and over the phone. So we can actually get the leads and then have our guys sell for you and become this kind of this kind of firm that offers all those things. So long-term, like, I, I don't I don't ever see myself retiring, personally. Like, I don't, like, I, I find if it's like, oh, I gotta retire, it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll wind down, but I'll, I think I'll always be doing deals. Like, I think that's my biggest passion is doing deals. There's nothing more that gets me more fired up than that when I'm sitting there selling or doing a deal. Really? Like, that is literally my bread. Like, I love kickboxing when I grew up. I didn't love fighting. I wasn't a big fighter in the ring, but the thing that gets me more fired up is when I hear a client, my phone's ringing, and they want to set up a meeting, and I get to go pitch and start doing a deal. That is like my thing, man. And then, then, then the older I get, the bigger the deals are getting. Like where you can actually like, there's a potential one right now we're doing. I don't say this to Globe, but it's funny where it gets me through the roof. It's like it could be a half a million to close to a million dollar freaking deal from some firm in Sudbury from marketing, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, 
how the hell am I going to close that? You know? But, well, let's let's get a bring yeah. this back to like 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 how are you in that position? Like again, twenty years old, you just you you decide to write a book at that point because you hit a tipping point. You're you're hanging on the beach in Cuba, and now six years later, you're in the position. You're wearing that. You you look the part. The part. For, sure. for sure. Every time I always see it, you're always dressed the nines or whatever. But like, how do I trust a twenty six year old in the house that was six years in the business? Like how 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 can I put my faith into in that half million dollar contract? And you. I'll give you an example. So literally, like alone, like so. I, I even if so, if they don't have doubt, I'll let them do a feeler. So we did. So for that contract, we started off. I gave them a discount on the website. That usually go for 10 grand a gate, cut them a deal. That was the first thing. I've been like in constant communication. Another example is like, so when people hit me on those points, it's like, well, what's your tracker? Here you go. So alone in 28 days with one of my clients, we've put it over $80,000 for their company. That's our first month. We launched the campaign. So I'll hit them with numbers. I'll actually show them some of my campaigns and things we've done in terms of, uh, from a number standpoint, how you trust me is honestly when I'm, when I'm on, like when I go and pitch, I'm very confident and it's not an arrogant confidence. It's just a confidence that I know what we're going to do. I said, this is what you need. I focus on what I'm good at and not saying, oh, well, maybe we can do this. It's like, no, here's our services. This is what we guarantee. Here's the results I produced. I don't even mention my age because that's just, I don't even take off the goal. I have my eyes on the prize. It's like, hey, your company, you want to grow your company 20%? You say, no, I get up and leave. Like, not literally, but that's the type of thing where I'm, I'm very confident in that way and, and what we offer that I, I keep it very strong. You've seen me in a pitch. I, I pitched a guy actually, so TripTech. So one of the companies that we're going to get in with, TripTech sold for, I think it was like $800 million. And uh, we were having an issue with one of these clients I was trying to get in with. And uh, cause they were very math brain type of analytical cell that come from MBAs. It's great, like good for them and, and all this stuff, but they're not seasoned entrepreneurs. I wanted to see, I told them, I said, I want the seasoned entrepreneur, your advisor on the lines when I pitch. I said, he needs to be there. It was a no brainer. By the end of the call, he's like, freak, that's the guy like right there. Like, and they were kind of on the fence. They weren't sure because they want to see, you know, it's like, oh, I'll break it down. It's gotta be procedural. Where I'm the type of guy, I'll get the freaking job done. Might not be, It'll look great, but it's not going to be like, I got to send in the code. It's got to go through all this, like this like kind of corporate stuff. I'll just get the job done. So here's what we guarantee when you want it. Yeah. You know, and, yeah, yeah, sign it. No, not literally like in a sales week, but like when you need it, here it is. This is my price. Simple. And yeah. it's like, I keep it simple. Like that was my brother's really freaking, he might've, you know, hit into my head at a young age. <laughs> so like, I think if we kind of take it back though, you've done an amazing job of almost using set, like, cause what percentage of your clients are local right now? So local, so in the last, like, we've racked in a few, um, we're looking... Like 50-50? Like almost like 70 right 70% now. 70% local. 70% local, but uh, three of them, three or four of them are national scale. They operate in Sudbury, like, so two of them are mining companies, um, and then one uh, one of them, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, so two but, of them are, or go ahead. Like, is it, do, you, do you have long-term plans that Sudbury's kind of your stepping point and that you're going to basically, like focus on what you're doing here and then bring that to scale because there's nothing really that ties you into Sudbury is like creates these there's no walls around Sudbury for your business I want to just come in and dominate Sudbury guys I'm starting I'll, I'll take it from anywhere like anyone that needs help will go in but yeah we focus in like now that we have an office here like I want to focus in on Sudbury and dominate like from a marketing standpoint um, but yeah no 100% like aim national scale I think for the national side of it like I want to be able to do deals in the US we have done some but like actually be able to get my H1 or my visa and uh, be able to go in and incorporate down there and then have some type of arm where we can start doing business down there and playing there. Um, but yeah, Subway will be the starting point, but we do have clients all over the place where... Yeah, I think I read something online when I was doing some research on you is you actually like the position of being the Canadian guy when you're a super I love people, it. Like I'm from the US? Like when I, I go in, that's my first thing I tell them. I, I, one of the things I hold freaking proud, man, is that when I go on a big stage eventually in the US, and now it's going to start that I want to run up there with a freaking Canadian flag on my back. I want to get that photo of me screaming, you know, for, for who we are and, and what we stand for. Because I think it's I think it's important and it gives me a distinguishing factor and it shows we play ball. And my, my results hit themselves. 
So when I talk to a lot of my American friends, it gives me a distinguisher right off the bat. And then they get to be there, oh, the Canadian guy. I'm like, oh, yeah, the Canadian guy. It's like, I don't screw around, man. You know, I don't know how to play ball. I've done I played in your court and that kind of stuff. So I, I love being Canadian in there. I never used to, but the more I kind of got in, I'm proud to be Canadian in that, in that market, that huge place. Fantastic, man. Fantastic. So if we kind of try to bring things back to a Sudbury sure. level, if you could kind of, you know, picture yourself like being involved with Sudbury, you've got a, a, already a track record where you've done the Cannes for Christmas, right? Yeah. And how many years in a row have you done this now? Three. We actually missed a year last year, but it's probably going to come back this year. Yeah, so three years. And, and like, if you kind of had a ballpark, how much cans or how much money and monetary donations, like, would, would that, what would it total to in Persebri? Persebri, we'd look at about five grand. Five thousand dollars. Five thousand dollars, yeah. In the which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And that's with the, uh, with the food bank, or was it with the, which, which... We did the food bank and then uh, downtown mission as well. We put some stuff in there. Like so the food bank, we gave like a bunch of stuff, and then uh, I want to mix it up a little bit, do a little bit of both. And then my whole thing was encourage people to don't donate their time or any anywhere. It didn't have to be a specific thing, but as long as they gave gave something. Yeah. So then you like you've done a few other things. Like I know you've done dance with the stars. You've done blueberry pie eating contest yeah, yeah. kind of thing. So what's like what what other connections or what other like uh, methods are you giving back to Sunbury? So we're looking, so we're going to do a big charity event with uh, the UFC fighter Mitch Gagne, where I'm going to try to wrestle him. He's just going to beat the crap out of me. So we're going to do a big fundraiser for the Human League. Um, I'm going to be working with one of the employment service offices there where it's called, it's like, um, what it's like the Amazing Race, but the Amazing Race for a job. Like they're going to go do a bunch of stuff. So I'll be like community orientated. I want to give my time as well for like, uh, I want to do some like courses and stuff like for like those centers like that, or the regional business center and go teach. Um, it's a big thing. Like, I just want to, I, I want, I really want to make something go viral for charity. Like, actually viral where it's like, everyone's, we see all this stuff online, it's Kim Kardashian and everything. It's like, let's make a freaking charity cause go viral again. Like, the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. It'd be interesting. That's how I actually came across Cancer Christmas was a right. video, right? Where it's right. just like, you and like, in your car, you're filling your trunk full of uh, like cancer or something like yeah. that. So, you've done it on a local level, at least for, for me being uh, connected to that anyways. But, um, if you had to describe Sudbury in one sentence, how would you describe Sudbury? A great place to, to grow up and, and start your career. Yeah. I, 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 like, really, I love it in Sudbury. And, like, so going back to, like, your question about, like, yeah, if I go on to a national scale, it's like, I am proud to say I'm Canadian, but I'm proud to say I'm from Sudbury. I'm sick and tired of hearing every I'm from Toronto, the six. It's like, okay, good for you. It's like, look, I'm doing even bigger things than I'm from Sudbury. Pounded for that. I'm just kidding. Big but, big no, I, I, the, Joe, I, that's cocky. Like, I, but that's funny. But you, you always hear that. People are like, we got to leave Sudbury. we got to leave Sudbury. It's like, at the end of the day, it's like you were born and raised in Sudbury. So when you go out into those places like Toronto where everybody's got their earrings and does their thing, it's like you're different. You got an edge. You know, you come, I'm on my snow machine doing a catwalk, you know, and these guys don't know, they don't even know what a snow machine is. You know, we're skidding across the, no, I'm kidding. But, but, no. but your big picture would be to maybe even leave Sudbury eventually, like if you can get to that next level. Yeah. So like it, you're seeing it still as a stepping point. Would you come back to Sudbury eventually? Absolutely. I want to have a house here. Like I want to just have a spot here no matter what. Like I love it. I really love it here. I find I go out of town, I travel a lot and then you come back and you're like, I want to go home. You know, so eventually I'll leave, but I think uh, this will be my base, and this is what made me at the end of the day, and I'll be proud to, like, oh, let's put Subway on the map with, with Alex Trebek there. Let's go up there and, you know, put, put it on the map, because it is a great place we live we live in. Fantastic, fantastic. If you think, like, if you could say that is missing one thing, or if you could bring one thing to Sudbury, what do you think that one thing is that would make Sudbury even a better place to be? Maybe it's, we need more things to do, like in terms of like fun activities, like a shooting range. You need to have like so we got the trampoline thing coming in. Maybe paintball. I'm just trying to think of some random things, but like more activities. Like that's that's the one thing when you go to bigger cities or places. There's there's more fun things to do, and there is stuff here. Don't get me wrong, but just more of that, like that creates that vibe, gets people engaged. 
um, like just more newer things. I feel like we're behind. Uh, like when it's like okay, even like oh, I used to I used to work for Coca Cola, and they'd make the joke is like down in Toronto they'd have all the new flavors coming in, and then Subway it's like three years later we get those and that that kind of stuff. So maybe being a little bit more up to date on that, but I, yeah, it's a great place. Yeah, no, fantastic, and it's a. Uh, I think that's a. Uh... You know, it's 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 a it's a reasonable thing, and I think that's even more important coming from you because you are so connected with the millennial generation, right? It's not that generation that's you know the 40, 50, 60 year olds that are missing these things. It's if that's what the twenty to thirty year old population wants to see, and they feel like it's missing, then that's a valuable po- point of view, and I think that that should be taken note. I want to tell you something too. The other thing that fires me up. So I told you I like doing deals. The other thing is when I know it's weird to cut this off, but I know when I'm pitching against the older generation because my old my old man, I make the joke, you know, he's got an executive background, so like. I love being able to show the older generation. It's like us young guys, us millennials, you th- or millennials. You think we don't know what the hell we're doing, but we know what we're doing, and we're coming. And we, we, you know, with the, with access to the online sphere, we we could have a huge impact more than ever before. And I think if I'm if I think of the one thing that I'm jealous of what you accomplished, and then just jealous in a good way, where I look up to you and I say, man, this guy's got to figure it out. Is it's you creating a network. You know, it's, it's, you look at, you're taking every opportunity to go down and speak it and go down to these conferences and make the contacts that's going to give you something over the long term where you're, you're in a position and you know these people now, right? So how do you, how have you focused on that and how do you build that side of your business? I think, I think the biggest thing is like, I don't go into it looking for anything in a lot of ways. Like I just want to meet people. I want to just start building that funnel. Like in terms of just, I just like, I like dealing with people. A lot of times, you, you know, people get you mad there sometimes when it's like everybody's doing their thing, but I, I like dealing with people. Uh, and, and the most things, so I build my network is like, I'll just pick here, connect with me online, connect with me online, and just keep doing that. And then eventually, they're going to see your content, your stuff, and just keep working that cycle, engage with your stuff. One of the biggest secrets that no one knows is going on your personal Facebook page, add, you know, 5,000 influencers if you can, or like 3,000, start engaging on their content. Screw having your own page, like that's fine, do your own page, but like the biggest hidden secret is just building up your own personal Facebook. Don't drive your family nuts, like get them to unfollow you, but but start building up with influencers and people and start going in there, and that's when the deals will start kind of fishing through. Yeah. And it's positive, they're positive. It's not just grandma's over here at uh, picking blueberry, you know, or something like that. And I think that's like, you know, the- 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it was like you would go to these meetups and these like these sessions in person and now this is where the online world is gone and you know that if you can have your presence in that world and then that's that's got to be your uh, the starting point. I have closer friends actually online in some cases uh, than I do in person that encourage more and that's like you see that online. Right. Yeah, like a lot that, that like my friends are cool like they're, they're, they're not bad but like I probably have more people that are more encouraging and, and tell you to go for it that, that are online. Do you think you'd be as successful today if it wasn't for something like the internet? Probably, I wouldn't be as exposed, like, because I measure success too in the, in the numbers in terms of your exposure and stuff like that, like how, how well people know your names, probably not. I'd still be out there, I'd be a dog in a, in a joking way, like I'd still be out there and I'd be successful in some way and I'd be working hard. But, <laughs> there are, yeah, and, uh, but uh, I probably wouldn't... Um, I don't think, like, I, I like, I think success, like, the more exposure and things you get, that's what's led to my success more is that I've been able to leverage the online sphere and the public relations piece of it uh, really well. And that's what's helped me sell, too, because I don't have to, it, it makes it easier on the selling thing. They've seen you online, they get where you're both, they see your values, and it makes it easier to, you know, they've already know you kind of before you go in. And you get the credibility, right? Like, I think, yeah. like, if I think of you now, like, doing your TED Talk would probably be one of your biggest things that gave you credibility. Is if you're going to make a contact with somebody else. Like, the fact that you can say I'm a TED uh, speaker, that that's a massive thing. 100%. Right? And like you said, how many times did you get rejected by 12, at least, at least 12 on how they rejects from letters, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. is that one of your biggest accomplishments today, then? 100%. On that and now with our business, like, I've started to try to focus more of my marketing on the company and the team aspect because that's the thing. is like, oh, are you this coach or motivation speaker? It's like, no, we're actually running a national company. Like, it's legit. Like, 
And, and that's where I really want to focus in so I can build these entrepreneurs and leaders and, and bring them in. So that's, that's where I want to focus. But yeah, TEDx for sure. TEDx was unreal. Like, and it, you know, almost didn't make it just to give you guys a heads up. Well, how, tell us, was there a story there? There was a back end. So I had an article written about me from someone because of my active promotions online. And uh, TEDx was hesitant to bring me on because they didn't want anybody coming out and picketing or anything like that saying like, oh, well, this guy's a bully or whatever it was. Something from my high school that, that came out and uh, it was totally not true and I was going to bring up a legal case against it, but it's in a U.S. court so that it's not guaranteed. It's just a bunch of stuff. So they almost had to drop me from that event. But it's interesting. Like I Googled your name and I pop with that story. Yeah. And I see it as well, right? It's something yeah. that I was kind of curious about. And like if, if you are a guy that's building your brand and building your network and building these contacts online, so that's what potential employers and your potential clients are seeing. I've lost tens of thousands of dollars probably from that article alone. But the thing is, like, so like, I can do the legal case and get it all set up, or I just choose to ignore it and say, you know what, yeah, this is going to hit, but, you know, they can, eventually I'm going to get in contact with these people or businesses, and we'll see, they can just do my own PR that's going to be coming out and things like that. At the end of the day, it's, it's slander, it's libel, and it's not true, and you can only just keep going forward. I can't let that, that guy almost won, whoever that was, that person, they almost won where I, I almost didn't get the TEDx. But I did it. And when I graced that stage, I, I was like, you know what? This isn't for this guy. This is for the people that they need to hear my mission. And the thing is, at the end of the day, my mission's stronger than, than just a bunch of BS that people want to knock you down. This isn't about me. This is about what we're trying to do. And just try to bring people up and try to switch that protocol in life where it's like, you know, at the end of the day, it's like you can do more. We all know that. It's like, how can I help you? How can we bring people together, get that community aspect together? And that's, that's where I truly believe. So I don't even think about those things. I don't even worry. Fantastic, and I think it kind of cycles back to being that authentic person. And like I yeah. said, like I said, if you try to live a life that's not you, and if you're living that life, like it's it's tiring and it's gonna fail sometimes. So be as authentic to, as to who you are, and whether that's online persona or whether that's not. And I think one of the other things that's important too is when you are authentic and you have that conversation with people, like you're speaking to a lot of young kids in high school right. and things like that. And there is a backstory, like they have a backstory too, right? Like kids will be kids to a point. Now, whether like inappropriate uh, behavior is not excusable by anybody, but at the same time that you have to realize that you're at this point in your life now, this is just a stepping stone. Eventually you're gonna be somebody else. And, and eventually yourself, you're gonna be somebody else too, right? Like 100%. If, I, if you have to think of 10 years, what, what, like, where's your life going to be in 10 years? I'll probably be, uh, I, I personally believe, and I say this in a, in a great way, that uh, I'm going to be one of the top leaders in Canada. Just in, in a leadership perspective, bringing people up. I want to help. I'm going to be focused in building entrepreneurs. Like so, because I think the market with AI hitting right now is going to wipe out a lot of jobs. One in six jobs gets wiped out. But that's fine. That leaves room for more opportunity. So I'm going to be helping people become self-sustainable. I want to help them be able to build their own platforms and things. Uh, so within 10 years, I'll probably, I personally believe I'll, I'll be one of the top three to five leaders in the country that goes out and they'll fly me all over the world. And not, not me, it's not about me, it's about what I can do for these people. Similar like a Tony Robbins, like something like that, but in my own way with a couple of businesses and things. Amazing, but amazing, for sure. So we've got some rapid fire questions to finish it off to do you it. by. Um, favorite sport? Uh, Muay Thai. Muay Thai. Yeah, so like MMA. Yeah, Muay Thai, but it's more kickboxing. That's what you. Yeah, that's your background. That's what it's I background. Yeah. yeah. So you've been. How long you've been doing that for? Ten years. Ten years. Good yeah. times. And have you ever been beat up pretty bad in a fight? Bad, game? knocked unconscious. Knocked unconscious. Knocked unconscious. Rocked, smashed. I got my national title fight. I got uh, within fifteen seconds. Didn't get knocked out. I got hit, and I don't even remember. I finished. Thank God. But yeah, yeah. not good. Yeah, <laughs> dangerous. Oh jeez. Do you have a favorite uh, book? Right. Uh, Awaken the Giant Within. Um, I like David Goggins. You can't hurt me. Freaking love Goggins. Yeah. Goggins okay. Mentality. Do you, are you listening to audiobooks or are you reading the I read them. Yeah, I like to, I like to just encode it within my brain, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but you're the author. The yeah, yeah, you got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what would you say would be your theme song to your life? 
Two one like uh, so in the music by uh, Disco Killers or Afroki by uh, by um, Steve Aoki. These are like these two ones I listen to. Those are my two favorite songs. Those are your two favorite they pump me right up. Yeah. yeah. And what time are you waking up in the morning? A six. Six a.m. Six a.m. Goes off. I'm out of bed within ten minutes. Alarm or no alarm? Alarm. Yeah, I need the alarm. <laughs> six a.m. Yeah. You need that. Yeah, yeah, you need that. Yeah. Yeah. Are you sitting in the shower? Uh, no, so I, I, based on my routine, I get up, I literally go, uh, I'll get up, go right to the gym. So I'll take my pre-workout, go right to the gym. Then I go sing. Of course, I'm saying, I'm saying stupid things in the shower. My girlfriend were to listen to you, like, what the hell is wrong? <laughs> Seriously, I do some stupid things. What's your favorite song to sing in the shower? Uh, not even song. Like, sometimes I'll be singing Rocket Man. I <laughs> like, like, Tina Marie, I need your loving. Like, I have a couple there. I, I like to repeat over. Fantastic. Apple or Android? Apple. Apple? What's the, your favorite app on your phone that you don't think enough people are using? Is there an app that you think? LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Yeah. I'm not using it enough either, but like, like favorite, like, like LinkedIn would be the best. Like that people need a. There's a big, big opening there, and Gary Vee. It's on him again. I don't even. I'm not even watching Gary Vee. That's just me. My opinion. I think that's yeah. one that that we used. I think we use too much Snapchat, and Instagram. Just, t- 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 I'm, I'm guilty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's where I followed you too. Yeah. Uh, do you uh, do you have a favorite wrestler? Actual wrestler or like MMA fighter? Uh, um, MMA fighter, yeah. MMA fighter, like I like George St. Pierre. I love Conor McGregor. Yeah. Too, yeah. Do you have a favorite wrestler from like old school WWE? Maybe you'd play like Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Like I guess not only, yeah, Brock Lesnar would probably be yeah, a... With the crossover. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. And let's end on this. If you had Sudbury's attention for 30 seconds, what would you say? Sudbury, like we have a lot, we have a lot of ability to, to create some big changes it's like we get too caught up in all this political stuff where it's like, oh, it's got to be this. At the end of the day, let's find some middle ground and come together. So like, okay, yeah, we fight over the arena. We fight over this. Well, what do we need at the end of the day? The roads are crap. Let's fix those. Very simple. It's like at the end of the day, there's people that are homeless. There's people that are starving. There's people that are struggling. How can we help those people? At the end of the day, we're not so bad off in our normal lives. What can we do to help those people? Let's not sit there and get into a big argument that gets nowhere and then, oh, where's the money going? The other day, these people need help. Let's do something about it. Let's stop getting political. Perfect. Thanks a lot for having you on today. Much appreciated for coming on the show. Yeah, until next time. Thanks a lot, guys. Correct response. What is my hometown, Sudbury, Ontario?